Hello again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by MagicOfAerie.com. In our last episode, the Hawk King invaded Uth, the last human village, with a force of Hawken and Swanton warriors in his search for Steve. The Hawk King also brought with him a pair of Pyrex, giant fire-covered skeletal bird monsters. Steve and his friends were captured, and the Hawk King was surprised to see Zeroth among them, but the hunter did not know why, as he had never met the Hawk King before. When Fyakra's Hawken archers and Pyrex failed to harm the companions, he hurled the Spear of Zoo at Steve. There was a flash of blue light, and the companions disappeared. An angered Fyakra ordered his Pyrex to burn up to the ground. And now, the next fantastic episode of The Magic of Eri. Magic of Air, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan, based on the novel The Magic of Air by Daniel J. Hogan. To learn more about the novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Harry is spelled E-Y-R-I. Episode number 21, Silver-Tongued. Steve and his companions were still screaming when the blue light finally disappeared. Steve was covering his face with his arms, waiting to be struck by Fyakra's spear. Like the arrows, the spear never came. The boy uncovered his face slowly and realized they were no longer in Uth, the last human village. Where are we? Zero threw back his hood and looked around. I think we're on the road to Tal. Amazing, Uncle Shameless said as he slowly stood up and dusted himself off. Uh, how'd you Figure that out. Some sort of tracking secret? There's a sign over there that says, Tall, with an arrow pointing that way. Oh. Hera noticed Zero's burned hand. Hmm, let me look at that. Hera reached into her pack and pulled out the same bottle of healing potion she had used on Uncle Shameless earlier. She poured some of the silver liquid onto the burn wound, and it began to heal instantly. Era returned the now-empty bottle to her pack. Thank you, but you did not have to use the last of your potion on me. You should have saved it. No, no. I have plenty more. Think nothing of it. What is it made of? Oh, nothing special. Just crackers. Uncle Shameless yelled as he pointed to the eastern sky. Far on the horizon, a lofty column of dark smoke snaked its way skyward. Is that... It was a... The companions turned to see Istrio, the blue heron mystic, sitting on a rock, his blue robes blowing in the light breeze. Or rather, the village formerly known as Arth the Last Human Village. I think that is what they are going to call it now. I overheard the Alderman discussing it with a member of the Arth Chamber of Commerce as they were trying to outrun a pair of pirates. What do you mean, was? What do you think I mean? It has been destroyed, wiped off the face of Eri, struck down by the hand of Fyakra. Take your pick. The blue heron looked down at Steve with his large white eyes. And it's all your fault. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. I told you to go straight to Earth. And did you? No. 
You went to Daraga after I specifically told you not to. Steve felt very ill and looked down at the ground, ashamed. He did not think he would be the cause of Ott's destruction when he decided not to go there. Steve's head shot up after he had a revelation. That was you in the cell with us in the Hawk King's dungeon. Yes, it was me, and you are lucky it was. Otherwise, well, I'd rather not think about it. Steve nodded, remembering the villainous Hawken that had tried to trick him into going to see the Hawk King. He briefly pondered that if he had gone to the Hawk King, Noth would not have been destroyed. Another scenario began to fill Steve's mind as well. If he had gone straight to Uth, the ravens and the hunters would have never come after him. That meant that Cam would still be alive. All of this was very hard for the young boy to take, and his stomach felt like it was twisting in a complex knot. Now, Fiakra knows you are here, and what you look like. You could have slipped by unknown to him, and made your quest considerably easier. Come on, I didn't think you were serious about all of that. Is a village burned to the ground serious enough for you? Hmm? Steve was silent and looked at the ground again. The mystic kneeled down in front of Steve and put both hands on the boy's shoulders. Young Harry, you are on a quest whether you like it or not. The sooner you accept your destiny, the easier your quest shall become. Istrio gave Steve's shoulders a friendly squeeze, and he stood up slowly. There is a great power dwelling inside you, young Harrier, and once it is unlocked, you shall be unstoppable, or at least more annoying to the Hawk King. I don't think that's possible. The elderly blue heron dusted off his hands, and in a friendlier tone, a voice began talking to the rest of the group. Now that all of that nasty business is out of the way, how's everyone else doing? The rest of the party groaned collectively, rubbing their various wounds and sore spots. Oh, please, you young people, scolded Istrio as he shook his wrinkled blue head. When I was a youngster, some 500-odd years ago, I'd pick fights with solicitors in the morning, treasure hunt in the afternoon, and save beautiful bird maidens in the evening. Ah, yes. The blue heron said as he shook his bony fists in the air with a strong sense of nostalgia. And that was just a boring realm wars day. I wasn't aware that mystics of Za went treasure hunting and rescued maidens. Realm wars day? We are not born pious, Junior. The wrinkled blue heron said with a sly smile. All of that mystic business comes much later. Believe me, I could tell you some stories... Like this one time, I was... He looked at Steve. Um, never mind. I shall have to tell that one later. After everyone else's bumps and bruises were tended to, Istrio wished the party good luck on the next leg of their quest, which of course meant more walking. I'm sick of walking. That's all I've done since I came to this crazy place. Is that part of the prophecy? Making us walk everywhere? The blue heron shook his head as thunder boomed in the sky. You had better get used to it, kid. Why didn't the amulet just transport us right to Tall? Because long, boring walks through nature are an important part of any quest. Also, it builds character. Steve groaned and started moving to catch up with the rest of the party. Istrio turned to leave as well, but quickly stopped. Oh, I nearly forgot. Hang on a moment, Zero. The hunter turned to face the mystic of Za. Yeah, I saw you've lost your swordfish. Here, have another, Israel said as he tossed a new swordfish to the hunter. 
Zeroth caught the creature with ease and studied the new swordfish after forcing out its deadly tongue. <laughs> Unlike his first swordfish, this one was a bright silver color and larger. What is... Zeroth stuttered, surprised by the appearance of this new swordfish. Something about it seemed familiar, but he couldn't remember what. It might have been out of a story Cam had told him years ago. Then it came to him. This is a... Yes, yes, a silver swordfish. Very rare, I know. Enjoy. Now, scamper, scamper. (laughs) Laughed the blue heron as he shooed the party away with his hands before disappearing in a flash of blue light. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan. Copies of the original novel can be purchased through magicofairy.com and amazon.com. You can also download a PDF of the entire novel for only $3.75. Visit magicofairy.com for more details. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. The companions continued walking towards Tull, the duckport town on the coast of the Ralk Sea. Zeroth swung his silver swordfish around to get accustomed to its weight. What's so special about that swordfish? I think I remember Cam saying their blades were sharper and stronger, explained Zeroth. He knew that if Cam was there with him, he'd get the whole legend behind the mythical swordfish, if he wanted to hear it or not. A memory flashed in Zeroth's mind. Now I remember. Cam told me about a legend where that human king, uh, Donald, Used one of these before he had the Sword of Za. Said a surly voice. Everyone looked around as they searched for the speaker, but they could not find anyone. Said the voice again. Steve looked down, half expecting to see a short-tempered chipmunk in a funny shirt. That would have made at least a little bit of sense to the boy, instead of the true origin of the voice. Steve pointed a shaky finger at the silver swordfish in Zeroth's clawed hand. I think it said that. Zeroth held up his new living weapon and gave it a hefty squeeze. Its brilliant and deadly tongue shot back into its mouth. About time, I was wondering how long it was going to take you to figure that out. Snapped the swordfish. Its lips moved very little when it spoke, regardless of what the swordfish said, reminding Steve of a bad cartoon or a poorly dubbed movie. As I was saying, that weren't a legend. It was true. Donald did use a silver swordfish. How do you know? Asked Steve. The swordfish narrowed a large, circular eye at the boy. (laughs) You're a quick one, ain't ya? How do you think it was me, you ninny? You? Nah, it was another talking silver swordfish. What, were your parents related or something? Of course it was me. Whoa, whoa, easy there. What's your name? Gladys. What a grouch. I heard that. The party continued on to Tall. Gladius, now tucked in the Zeroth's belt, had calmed down a little and was talking to Steve. So you're the boy then, huh? <sighs> yes. My name is Steve. Steve? What kind of a name is that? That's what I told his dad, interrupted Uncle Shameless. I told him to give the boy a really butch name, like uh, Theodore or Gordon. 
course, if his mother had her way, he uh, would have been named Francois. You don't even have a title. A hero's gotta have a title. Especially one with a name like Steve. Steve opened his mouth to argue, but he didn't feel like getting into a shouting match with a talking fish. Take Donald, for example. Donald the Mike. You can't lose with that. Now there was a good title. Much better than the one he had as a youngster. Which was... Donald the Wet. He had a bit of a, a personal problem, if you get me. But he grew out of that by the time he was a teenager. I don't want a title. Besides, I can't even think of one. Zaz Beak. You don't give yourself a title, boy. You gotta earn it. Okay, okay. Replied Steve, wishing the swordfish would clam up. Fine! I don't want to earn a title. You don't have any say in the matter. It just happens. Uh, Gladius, you were with Donal as a child? Yep, sure was. We had many adventures over the years. Till I was replaced by the Sword of Za. Everyone went silent, finally realizing the source of the talking weapon's hostility. Nah, I'm not bitter. No, sir. I didn't mind being forget about for years and years. No, of course not. Gladius paused for a moment, luring everyone into thinking it was finally done with its venom-drenched rant. I hate that home-wrecking magic sword. Gladius yelled seconds later, startling the party. I was a million times better than that piece of... Gladius's words were garbled as Zero stuck it inside his cloak. Now I think I know why. Gladius was replaced. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes Music Store. The companions walked for hours. They walked so long that Aerie's two moons began to rise in the sky. Are we there yet? Steve's feet ached and he was all sweaty under his chainmail. He thought of himself walking through a cold, snowy field, with his chainmail fitting him perfectly. Steve felt the odd feeling he had felt before. A strange, tickling sensation covered his chest and back. He stopped in his tracks and looked down. Steve's chainmail was now snug against his body. It no longer hung down past his knees. Steve screamed. He screamed so loud that Uncle Shameless spit out the wine he was drinking. What's wrong? The, 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 the cha-cha. The cha-cha? This is no time for dancing, boy. My chainmail! Look! Uh, yeah, it's, it's lovely, but uh, what's the matter? It fits! Uh, well, that's great, Steve-o. I'm really happy for you, but I don't see why you need to go yelling about it. Uncle Shameless turned towards Era and signaled to her that he thought Steve was going crazy. Not realizing the gesture had a completely different meaning in Airy, the pelican gasped and covered her face with her hands. Zeroth walked up next to Steve and looked at the boy's chainmail. Ah, it finally fits you. Thank you! That's what I've been trying to say! It's about time, too. 
I thought you'd never figure it out. A thought exploded in Uncle Shameless's wine-soaked mind. Oh, I get it, Uncle Shameless said as he swayed back and forth. You figured out how to get the magic armor to fit you, just like me. All of a sudden, there was a loud thunk as Uncle Shameless's breastplate instantly increased to the size of a small car, or in Zeroth and Era's case, a large plow. Uh, Uncle Shameless groaned as he was pulled to the ground. A little help? Steve and Zeroth shared a gaze and shook their heads. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Eri. Make sure to join us again next time. Will our heroes make it safely to Tull? What awaits them in the Duckfield port town? Will Gladius ever lighten up? Find out in the next exciting episode of The Magic of Airy. The copyright date of this episode was February 27th, 2010. Help support this free podcast by using the PayPal donate button on the website. The Magic of Airy, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening.